Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. This is our last in the series for our Missions Week, uh, titled He is Worthy, which is the Assembly of God theme for world missions. And uh, the title of today's message, The Greatest Motivation for Mission, Part 2. You know, I heard the testimony of a pastor of a large church as he shared how he came to Christ. He had been a successful businessman, but he was lost, and he didn't care anything about God. But a young woman, acquainted with his family, felt led of the Spirit to go to his office and speak to him about Jesus. He didn't know why she was there that day, but when his secretary said someone was waiting to speak to him, he saw her and he said, tell her that I am busy. The woman said, that's okay, I'll wait. She waited and she waited. And he would look out of his office to see if she was gone, but she was still there after one hour, Two hours, three hours, then four hours. And each time he looked, he said he saw her completely at peace with a smile. And she was reading a book, patiently waiting. He said her peaceful and joyous disposition made an impression on him because he didn't have that. And so finally, after four hours, he agreed to talk to her. And she went into his office and she told him, about Jesus. There in his office, he prayed to receive Jesus, and his life was completely transformed. Today, he pastors a megachurch in Miami and has reached many for Christ, all because of the obedience of one woman and her patience. Many other lives have now been brought to Christ because of that one woman's obedience to share Jesus. When I heard about how this woman waited patiently for more than four hours to share the gospel with this man, it reminded me of the words of 2 Peter 3, 9, which says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What promise is he talking about in this verse? The promise is the promise of the Lord's return, the end times, the promise of Jesus coming back that will bring this world as we know it to an end with the judgment of evil and sinful wicked mankind. By the time of Paul, uh, by the time of, uh, that Peter wrote this, excuse me, uh, many people had begun saying, look how much time has passed. And we've been hearing about Jesus coming back for years and nothing has happened. Have you ever heard someone say that? Maybe you've said that. Amen. And so they began to doubt and, and they began to even mock and question whether Jesus was coming back at all. Asking, where is the promise of his coming? But Peter explains, the Lord isn't being slow or slack about fulfilling his promise. But he doesn't count time the way that we count time. That's where he says, you know, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. God doesn't count time according to years and days. God counts time according to souls. He's not willing that any should perish. And the only reason that God has not enacted the culmination of his plan for the end of the world and the return of Christ is that he loves all of humanity and he is patiently waiting to give us the chance to complete our job of preaching the gospel in all the world. He said this gospel must be preached in all the world and then the end will come. And let me tell you something, I believe we're getting close to fulfilling that mandate, amen? Because today, just through Assemblies of God World Missions, uh, we are in more than uh, we are in about 200 nations of the world, and not only with physical boots on the ground with missionaries, but we are using every means possible. Uh, in some countries that are closed uh, due to being Islamic or other beliefs, we are using the radio waves, we are using the television, and now, even though there's a lot of evil that is involved in social media and the internet, we are using the internet to reach a across borders that were formerly closed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Uh, one missionary that we were talking to recently was talking about how the young people in her country, even though that country is predominantly another religion um, and, and, and very close to Christianity, but how the young people are constantly on TikTok and they are seeing TikTok videos with the gospel and it's making them curious to want to know about Jesus. Tell me that God is not in it. Amen, that God is not using it. Yes, there may be a lot of evil on there, but God can use what the enemy meant for evil and he can turn it for good, amen? So I believe that, that we are very close to fill it, fulfilling that mandate, but there is still work to be done, amen? For this gospel to be preached in all the world and God will know when that has been completed and when that window has been closed. And then God will give the signal and the Lord Jesus Christ will come to rapture the church out of the world. And then there'll be seven years of tribulation, a terrible time of judgment on the world. Jesus said it'll be unlike anything the world has ever known. In the worst time in the world's history, it will be unlike anything the world has ever known. And then Jesus Christ will come and will conclude uh, with, with a destruction of these world's empires and the binding of the Antichrist and the false prophet and, and evil mankind being cast into the abyss and then he'll establish his millennial reign. But we're not here on an end time series. Maybe I'll do one in the near future. But that's just a, a quick glimpse of uh, the overview of God's prophetic calendar for the end of time. But God, the only reason that God is holding back is because he is patiently giving opportunity for those that might be saved to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is, that is how important the salvation of the lost is to God, that he will delay his plan for the world to give opportunity for one more person to hear, for one more person to believe, for one more person to be saved, because he is not willing that any should perish. That is the heart of God. And if we love God, it ought to be our heart too. His mission ought to be our mission. And as I said, this is the conclusion of our missions week with the Assembly of God theme. He is worthy, and it's based on Revelation chapter 5. Read with me, if you will, verses 1 through 10. The scripture says, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and on the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. That scroll contained God's plan for the end of the world. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seal on the scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne has won the victory. That is a description of Jesus the Messiah. He would be a descendant of King David, and he, through him, God would establish his righteous reign. And of course, we know that Judah is the tribe that Jesus came from, and the lion represents a king, amen? And he is the king of kings. So he says, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll. And it's seven seals. Those seven seals are the first series of judgments that will be poured out during the tribulation period. There'll be three series of intensifying judgments. But again, we don't have time to get into that this morning. He says, then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes. No, seven is the number of fullness in the scripture, uh, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and looked the scroll, took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break the seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe tribe and language and people and nation and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on the earth hallelujah 
This is one of three visions of heaven that the Lord gives to John in the book of Revelation. And in the vision, God the Father is on the throne holding a scroll in his hand which contains his plan of redemption to save lost mankind from sin and particularly his plan for uh, bringing judgment upon the wickedness uh, of the world and bringing uh, his story we call it history, but it's really his story, bringing his story to an end. He is sovereign, and he holds the destiny of the world in his hand. And as we saw last week, when the question is asked, who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll, there is silence, attesting to the utter sinfulness and hopelessness of humanity apart from Christ. No one is found worthy to break the seal and open the scroll except for the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Messiah, God's appointed servant king. He is not only the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he's also the lamb that was slaughtered because he offered his life as a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. So a lion represents a king or ruler. And of course, Jesus descended from David from the tribe of Judah, and he is the lamb that was slain as the sacrifice for our sins. And he alone is worthy to open the scroll. He alone is worthy to enact or, or to fulfill God's plan for mankind. It is as if God presses the fast forward button on history and gives John a glimpse of God's purpose fulfilled. God's purpose fulfilled. What is God's purpose fulfilled? A redeemed people that no man can number, standing before the throne of every tribe, of every language, and of every nation. Hallelujah. That is God's redemptive purpose fulfilled as this multitude stands before the throne. Hallelujah. And that is what the Great Commission, the command Jesus gave all of his followers to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all people. That's what the Great Commission looks like when it is fulfilled. A multitude no man can number of every tribe, of every nation, of every language. Amen? Now the key verse in this passage is found as all those surrounding the throne break forth in songs of praise. In verse 9 it says, And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. The crowd before the throne is celebrating and praising the Lord because Jesus was found worthy. He was found worthy as our Savior. He is found worthy as the agent of God to fulfill God's redemptive plan for mankind. And the word worthy has two meanings. One meaning is to be qualified or deserving. And Jesus alone is qualified to be our Savior, and he, as our King, is deserving of all praise and glory. But the second meaning of the word worthy has to do with value or worth that we ascribe to something or someone. So, for instance, Christ died for us not because we are worthy, not because we are deserving, but because we were worth it to him. He ascribed value to us, such a high value that he was willing to give his life for us. Are you following me? Likewise, he is worthy of, of de and deserving of all praise because of who he is, because even if he never did anything for us, he is worthy because he is the second person of the Godhead. He is the Son of God. Amen? So he is worthy because of who he is, but he's also worthy because of what he has done. He has given his life as the all-sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the world. But we must ascribe the highest value to him by offering our lives as a living sacrifice to fulfill his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's the response that he deserves. When we live our lives for his will and purpose, we are saying, I value you more than anything else in this world. You are worth it, Jesus. Hallelujah. And as we see from verse 9, his worthiness is vitally connected to his mission and purpose in the world as the lamb who was slain for the sins of the world. So what does that mean for us? Have you ever found it hard 
You don't have to answer out loud, but have you ever found it hard to live for Jesus? Have you ever found it hard to, to do the right thing? Have you ever thought that, you know what, the cost is too high to tell others about Jesus because they may reject me or they may ridicule me? Have you ever thought, you know, it's too great a sacrifice for me to volunteer for ministry because I like my free time? Or I like to worship in the service. I don't want to be running a computer or I don't want to be helping in children's ministry. I want to worship. Well, we all want to worship. But what facilitates our worship is people that are willing to serve the Lord. Aren't you glad there were people, volunteers up here, who were willing to lead you in worship this morning? That, that was weak. You would have said amen and gave a resounding round of applause if, if I tried to lead you in worship in comparison to them leading you in worship. Amen? Because if I tried to lead you in worship, you'd have to plug your ears and run from the place screaming. So you ought to give them a really big hand. Give them a really big hand of appreciation. Amen? But I'm grateful for the people every week who say Jesus is worth it. I'm willing to give of my time, my talents, my energies, whether in the worship team or the media team or the children's ministry team or as an usher or a greeter, and they're saying, you know, or on the evangelism team, and they're saying, you know what, Jesus is worth it. And I am willing to use my time, my talents, and my energies to spread the name of Jesus, to exalt Jesus, and to minister to people. Have you ever considered the cost of living the Christian life and asked yourself, is it worth it? The crowd around the throne would re resoundingly say, yes, yes. And so some of us in heaven, we're going to be rejoicing on that day when we stand before the throne because he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But others, the Bible says, will weep and he'll have to wipe their tears away because there will be no reward for them. Because even though they're in heaven based on what Jesus has done, they never did anything for Jesus or they never did it from the right heart. Ooh, a while ago you were saying amen. Why is it so quiet in here? I'm just preaching Bible, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the crowd around the throne resoundingly said, yes, he is worth it. Let me tell you something. There is nothing that you will give up on this earth that when you get to heaven, you will not say, it was worth it. Oh, hallelujah to the name of the Lord. So they sang praises to Jesus saying, you are worthy. You are worthy. So what exactly is he worthy of? He's worthy of so much. But today we're going to consider three things in our life that he is worthy of that connects to his mission. First, he is worthy of our obedience. You know, Jesus was obedient to the Father when he came to earth to give his life as a sacrifice for our sins. He came on a mission to save us, and now he sends us to complete his mission in the world. Jesus stated his mission in no uncertain terms. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came not to be served, but to serve. Wouldn't it be great if we all came to church with that attitude, the attitude of Jesus? I'm not coming here just to be ministered to but I'm coming here to minister, to serve others. Hallelujah, I feel a sermon coming. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. He told us that, that he was a servant to us, and we ought also to be servants to one another. And he has sent us on a mission. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then he said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. He obeyed the Father when the Father sent him, and now he sends us. Will we obey him? Five times in the gospel and in the book of Acts, he commands all who would follow him 
to go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations or being his witnesses to the ends of the earth. This is his command. Do we value him enough to obey it? This is his command. Do we value him enough to obey it? And a good way to start obeying it is to become a part of our evangelism team, which goes out virtually every Saturday to share the gospel with our community. And if you'd like to be a part of our evangelism team, Ike, would you stand to your feet? That's Ike. He does a wonderful job leading our evangelism team. Amen. And he's going to be out front after the service. And you can go talk to him, and you can come out with the evangelism team. He's not going to throw you to the wolves immediately. He's going to put you with somebody who knows what they're doing, amen, and they're going to train you. They have opportunities to train and equip you so that you can obey the command of Jesus. And in obeying his command, you are saying, you are worth it, Jesus. You are worth me taking a couple of hours on a Saturday to tell somebody about Jesus. You are worth me going out sometimes in the Florida heat, amen, to tell somebody about Jesus. You are worth it even though my knees may hurt, my back may hurt, whatever may hurt, but you are worth it, Jesus, to tell somebody about you, amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Only a couple of amens. The rest of you are saying, oh me, oh me. Jesus is not only worthy of our obedience, he's worthy of our full commitment to his mission. The degree to which we obey his command by investing our time, energy, and resources to fulfill his mission to seek the, and save the lost is the measure of worth or value that we ascribe to him. So the degree to which we obey his mission is the measure of our worth for him. So we may sing, you are worthy, you are worthy. Now you'll really appreciate the worship team, amen? <laughs> so you're singing there, you're worthy. And then, <laughs> and then you walk out of here and then you don't do anything to obey him. Not anybody here. I'm not talking about anybody here. I'm talking about the church down the street, amen? But we sing, you're worthy, and then we don't show it in our actions by valuing him with our obedience, using our time, our energy, and our talents to serve him. We may sing praises to him as our savior, but if our actions are not invested in his serving purpose, then our words are empty. We may sing praises to him as our Lord and our God, but if we are not walking in obedience, fulfilling his purpose, then our words are hollow because he cannot be Lord if we're not obeying him. Hallelujah. Because of who he is and because he has given his life for us, he's worthy of us giving ourselves to him, of fulfilling his mission. He gave his all for us, and he's deserving of us going all in with everything we have to follow him and to do his work. There's a story of all in obedience to the mission of Christ that is often overlooked in the scripture. Shortly before going to the cross to give his life as a sacrifice, Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on the colt of a donkey in what we often call his triumphal entry. Zechariah had prophesied in Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. But where did the donkey come from? And you know, riding on a donkey rather than a horse signified that he was coming on a mission to make peace between God and man. The first time he came, he rode on a donkey. When he comes back in blazing glory, he is riding on a stallion, on a horse, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The first time he came as a savior, the second time he's coming as a ruler and a judge, amen? But he comes riding on, on the donkey. And as I asked, where did that donkey come from? Because they never had a donkey. They walked everywhere they went. Well, in Matthew 24, 21, verses 1 through 5, the scripture says that as Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, he sent two of his disciples ahead to a nearby village to find a donkey and her colt and bring them to him. 
And he said in Matthew 21, 3, he says, if anyone asks, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. And so when the disciples went to this village, they went and found the donkey with his coat, and they asked its owner. And now I want you to understand that. In that day, a donkey was a valuable possession of a middle-class family. The donkey was their transportation. The donkey was their work vehicle. They had probably worked very hard to buy the donkey, and they depended upon that donkey in many ways for their livelihood. So that donkey was important to them. But without question, when the disciples came and asked for that donkey, the owner, with open-handed generosity, obeyed, basically saying, anything for Jesus. Anything for Jesus. Hallelujah. That is the kind of obedience that says, you're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy of all that I am. You're worthy of all my time, my energy, my talent. You're worthy of all that I have. Here it is, Lord, with open hands. I give it to you, God. One person says amen by clapping their hands. Amen. Not sure about the rest of us. Praise the Lord. He is worthy of our wholehearted obedience. He's worthy of us going all in on his mission because we love him and we delight to obey him. So first and foremost, he's worthy of our obedience. Secondly, he is worthy of our sacrifice. He who gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins is worthy of us giving our life, our all for him. One writer said there are three things you can do with your life. You can waste it by living selfishly. You can wreck it by living sinfully. Or you can give your life away to Jesus by living sacrificially. Which one do you want to do? Anybody here ever see the movie Saving Private Ryan? It's a military drama actually based on a true story, and sacrifice is central to the theme of the movie. The film tells the story of Captain John H. Miller, played by Tom Hanks. I'm sure you've heard of Tom Hanks, amen. And he leads a platoon of GIs on a mission to find Private First Class James F. Ryan, whose three brothers had already been killed in the war within a few months of each other. So Private Ryan was what was known as a sole surviving son. And the War Department of the United States wanted to bring him home to his mother because they have a policy like that. So Captain Miller and his platoon go searching for Private Ryan. They are engaged in in heavy fighting, house to house, and as the story progresses on several occasions, the men argue among themselves the morality of risking so many lives to rescue one man because they're losing their lives as they go along on this mission. And at one point, one man says, he better be a brain surgeon or something implying he better turn out to do something great or something worthy of all the sacrifice to save him. Finally, they find Private First Class Ryan, and after many of his men have been killed, Captain Miller is dying on a bridge, and he grabs Private Ryan, draws him close, and he says with his last breath, earn it, earn it, meaning earn or, or find yourself worthy. Do something worthy of the sacrifice that was paid for you. And at the end of the movie, Ryan, now an old man with his family by his side, is weeping at the graves of the men who died for him. And with desperation, he says, tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I'm a good man. His concern as he approaches the end of his life was that he had lived worthy of the sacrifice of those who died to save him. Are we living worthy of Christ's sacrifice? Not that we will ever deserve his sacrifice, but because of his sacrifice, may we live our lives in a way that honor him and brings glory to his name. And the way that we do that is living for his mission. The sacrifice of serving Jesus in mission 
is no sacrifice at all after all that he has done for us. Whatever we give up, whatever we go through is nothing in comparison to the satisfaction, the fulfillment, the joy, and the blessing of fulfilling our purpose in service to the Lord. David Livingston, who was a lifelong missionary to Africa, said, People talk of the sacrifice I've made in spending so much of my life in Africa away from my family and my home. Is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward in this life and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? He said, it is emphatically no sacrifice. It is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger may make us pause and cause our spirit to waver. But let it be only for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. He said, I never made a sacrifice. Wow. Why? Because you can never outgive God, folks. Whatever you give for the sake of Christ will seem as nothing in comparison to the blessing and the reward of God. There was a famous missionary named Jim Elliott. Um, he went to uh, South America and he gave his life on the mission field. He was killed by the natives, the very people that he was trying to reach with the gospel. But he said this, he says, No fool is a man who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We can't keep anything of this life, anything of this world. So we're not a fool when we give up the things of this world, be it our time, our energy, our resources, whatever we give up in this world. Because you know what? We're going to gain something that we can never lose. Hallelujah. Now, even though David Livingston and Jim Elliott died for the sake of Christ, the Lord doesn't call all of us to die for his sake, but we can sacrifice in the areas of our talents, our time, and our treasure. Why do we willingly and joyfully sacrifice? Because he's worthy. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Our life should not be more precious to us than Jesus' life was to him. And he laid his life down for us. We are just passing through this earth. And we sacrifice because it will be worth it one day. As Jesus taught, he says, here on earth we are to be laying up treasure in heaven that will not perish. We lay up treasure here on earth. Jesus said moth and dust comes in and it rusts and it decays or the thief can break in and can steal it. But when you lay up treasure in heaven... You'll never lose it. So on this earth, we need to be laying up treasure in heaven because we recognize that we're just passing through and everything of this life is temporary, even life itself. So we need to be storing up treasure in our heavenly bank account. You may have been storing up treasure in your earthly bank account and recently with the stock market, you may be seeing it go boop, 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 boop. But you store up in treasure in heaven, and it just keeps going up, 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 up. Amen. You can never lose it. Hallelujah. Jesus said, where our treasure is, there your heart will be also. If our treasure is in the bank, that's where our heart is. But if our heart is in his kingdom, that's where our treasure will be. Let me just say that one more time so it just kind of sinks in. If our treasure is in the bank, that's where our heart is. But if our heart is in the kingdom, that's where our treasure will be. Hallelujah. And folks, you can't lose what you have given to God. Satan can only take away what is still in your hand and under your control. But anything you have surrendered to God, Satan can't take it away. Amen. I know the story of a very wealthy woman who kept promising to give a substantial sum of money to her church. But eventually in her old age, she started to get dementia 
and she trusted the wrong people with her financial affairs, and they took it all from her. If she had given it to the Lord while she could, it would not have been lost. But because she did not put it in God's hands, it ended up being all taken from her. You cannot lose what you have given to God. And you can't ever outgive God because the Bible says he will be a debtor to no one. That's why he says, give and it shall be given to you. Full measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over because he will be a debtor to no man. You give and he's going to give back to you in abundance. Amen. In many ways. C.T. Studd said, only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Working so hard at our job, one day it's going to be time for you to retire or they're going to cut back, and that's gone. After you've been given 60, 70 hours a week, slaving for your job. Everything of this life will soon be past, but only what we do for Christ will last. I'm not telling you not to work, but I'm telling you to get your priorities right. Amen? Time is passing quickly. You know, I, when I woke up on Saturday morning to hear the news of what happened in Israel, immediately something just rose up in me. And I thought, you know, could this, could this be it, Lord? Could this be the turning of the, of the prophetic page? Could your, could your uh, end time events be right on the horizon? I believe we are living in the end times. And this potentially could be that triggering event because we know that one of the things that will bring the Antichrist to power during the tribulation is war with Israel. And he's going to come on the scene as a political leader that's going to offer a peace treaty. And he's going to be able to accomplish what no one has been able to accomplish in decades. And Israel is going to think, this is the Messiah. They're going to be deceived because it's the Antichrist. So we know that hostility with Israel against the Arab nations is going to be one of the main events that will bring Antichrist to power. And we know that the rapture of the church will take place before that. And folks, there is no prophecy remaining to be fulfilled or that needs to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. It could happen any moment. And the Bible says when it happens, it will be in the twinkling of an eye. Not the blinking of an eye, the twinkling of an eye. And I've never measured it, but I've read that the twinkling of an eye is one-eighth the time it takes for you to blink your eye. That's how quick it's going to happen, folks. And so we need to be ready, and we need to take as many people with us as we can. Amen? Time is passing quickly. And the only time that we have to serve Christ is now. We don't know that we're going to have tomorrow. The only time we have is now. So what are we doing with our life now? You know, because sometimes we're like, oh, you know, after I get married, I'll serve Christ. After the kids are grown, I'll serve Christ. After I retire, I'll serve Christ. That after may never come. We don't know that we'll have tomorrow. The only day that we have to serve Christ is now. So what are we doing with our life to fulfill his mission now? Is he really worthy? Is he worthy of our obedience? Is he worthy of our sacrifice? Is he worth it to you? Will you obey with your life? What are you willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ so that souls may be saved? He is calling all of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. First, through our own personal witness. And as I said earlier, a great place to get started obeying his command to go into all the world is to get connected with our evangelism team. You can do it personally as well at your job, in your neighborhood, but get connected with our evangelism team. It's going to equip you. It's going to help you to get the boldness and to know how to present the gospel. And you can meet Ike right out front after the service, and he'll be glad to get you connected with the evangelism team. So it's through our personal witness. It's also some of us that God is calling to ministry. And I especially challenge the young people that are here. You're in high school or maybe in college, and you're praying for God's direction. You want to know, uh, you know what career you should enter into. Maybe God would call some of you to ministry, to missions. But I don't limit it just to our young people. 
there's one couple that we support as a church in missions that they retired and they went into missions and they're in Latin America today serving the Lord. And sometimes they have to climb up mountains to get to the villages where they're spreading the gospel. And they're like, what, in their 60s and they're on the mission field. So you know what? It's not just limited to young people. God may be calling you at whatever age you are. Amen? You may be 80 years old, and God is saying, I want to use you. Amen? Don't count it out. There's no retirement from the kingdom of God or from the mission of God. Amen? We got to serve him till the day he takes us home. So maybe he's calling some of you to ministry. Maybe he's calling some of you to missions in a foreign land. For those of us who remain here locally, he's calling all of us to pray for our missionaries. He's calling all of us to give, to enable those who are called to go overseas to be able to go and reach the world with the gospel. Will you say by your obedience and your sacrifice, you are worthy, Jesus? And we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. And we've already given you the opportunity to respond to evangelism by going out front. But we're going to also give you an opportunity to respond to supporting missions. When you came in today, you received a pledge card. And I want you, as I give the altar call, to be praying about what God would put on your heart, separate from your tithe and offering, what God would place on your heart uh, to, to make a faith promise. And a faith promise is not a pledge. A pledge looks at your budget and says, I think I can give $10 a month. A faith looks at God and says, God, how much do you want me to give? Because if you speak it, I know that you'll provide it. And when you provide it, I'll give it. Amen? So this is, this is not a pledge. It's a faith promise. And you talk to God and you say, God, how much would you have me to give on a monthly basis or a weekly basis or an annual basis to help support missionaries that are going around the world to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? So you be praying about that as we give the altar call today. But right now, I want to speak to some of you who are here. Some of you may be listening online that you have not yet placed your faith in Christ as a savior, as your Savior. And you're not here this morning by accident. You're here because God loves you. And he wanted you to hear about how much he loves you and how Jesus died for your sins so that you can have a relationship with him. And so that you can not only have a better life here on earth, but one day you can go to live with him in eternity. You see, we are all sinners and sin cuts us off from God. And that's the whole reason that Jesus came from heaven and earth. He was the first missionary, right? He left his home in heaven, and he came to earth, and he gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins that we might be saved. And so today, when we repent, and the word repent simply means to turn around. It's to make a U-turn. You recognize you've been heading in the wrong direction. You've been living life without regard for God, and that leads to destruction. And you say, God, I don't want to live that way any longer. I make a U-turn. Forgive me of my sins, and Lord, I turn to you come and live inside of me and help me to live for you the moment we do that Jesus says we're born again we are made spiritually alive we are brought into relationship with God as his sons and daughters and we begin the wonderful lifelong journey of learning to love and live for the Lord and if you're here today would you bow your heads with me if you would say pastor pray for me because I I, I want to give my heart to Jesus I want my sins to be forgiven I want to have a relationship with God or maybe you're here today and you'd say you know what I gave my heart to Jesus you know years ago but I've drifted away and I know that I need to come back so please pray for me so that I can get right with God if that's you this morning would you just slip your hand up and just say pray for me pastor I want to come to Jesus or I want to come back to Jesus is there anyone thank you for that hand is there someone else this morning pray for me pastor I want to come to Jesus thank you for another hand in the back is there anyone else this morning pray for me pastor I want to come to Jesus thank you for another hand that just went up hallelujah praise the Lord several hands are up I'm going to ask those of you that raised your hand to pray a simple prayer with me it's not my words but your heart in sincerity praying God is going to hear you and do exactly what you ask him to do congregation if you're already saved pray this prayer along with those that are praying it for the first time this morning to encourage them would you pray this prayer with me dear Jesus I believe that you are the son of God and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me 
from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. We want to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life. Amen. And we welcome you to the family of God because you were just born again, not only into relationship with God, but into relationship with the church, the family of God. And so we welcome you to that. And we want to help you because that prayer you just prayed is a beginning, not an end. It's the first step in a lifelong relationship with God. And we want to help you to understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps you need to take to keep growing in your faith with the Lord. So we want to send you free of charge a little e-booklet that will say, uh, now this is the next step to take, all right? And so we want to send that to you free of charge so you can keep growing in your relationship with the Lord. But to send it to you, we need your email address. So if you just prayed that prayer, would you just text your email address to the number on the screen and we will be glad to send that little booklet to you. But once again, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. I want to speak to those of us who have already received Christ as our Savior. And I want some of you, if you will bow your head in just a moment, I'm going to ask for a response to, uh, to, to the message. But as you're sitting there, some of you young people particularly, but older people as well, would you ask God, Lord, are you calling me into ministry or missions as my full-time profession or career? Is that the direction you have for me? Or are you calling me to get involved in some ministry here in the, in the church? Every person in the body of Christ should be involved in serving in the church in some way. So Lord, what are you calling me to do? And, and for all of us, God is calling us to share our faith. And maybe he's calling you this morning to make a commitment to being his witness, to being an evangelist. Maybe he's calling you this morning to commit to be a part of our evangelism team. And you pray about that right now. For all of us, he's calling us to be responsible to spread the gospel in all the world, not only by our own personal involvement here through witnessing and serving, but also by praying for our missionaries and giving to enable our missionaries to reach the world. Will we say by our obedience and our sacrifice, you are worthy, Jesus. You are worth it for me to spend my life serving you. You are worth it for me to devote two hours a week or four hours a week involved in ministry in the church. You are worth it for me to go out two hours a week on a Saturday morning and tell people about Jesus. You are worth it for me to pray, to spend time praying for our missionaries. You are worth it for me to give so that our missionaries can go around the world. You are worth it, Jesus, because you have given your all for us and there is no sacrifice that we can make that we do not receive so much more in return. If it's your heart today to say, Lord, I want to fulfill your will and your calling for my life. I want to know if you're calling me into ministry, you're calling me into missions. Lord, if, if you're calling me to do that as my full-time calling, here I am, Lord. For all of us, he's calling us to be witnesses, to share our faith in our family, in our neighborhood, in our work. And we want to say, here I am, Lord, use me. Some of us, all of us, he's calling us to be involved in, in, in fulfilling his mission through the church. And maybe that is getting involved in our evangelism team. And you say, here I am, use me. Maybe it's getting involved in one of the ministries of the church. We shared with you an opportunity of helping to spread the gospel around the world by being a part of our media team. Maybe you will say, here I am, Lord, use me. And he's speaking to all of us today because all of us are responsible to make sure the gospel is spread in all the world. So he's speaking to all of us today, calling us to pray for our missionaries and help to tangibly support our missionaries so that they can go to the other countries of this world and spread the gospel. And if you would say, here I am, Lord, I give myself to you. I give myself in ministry, I give myself in service, I give myself in prayer, and I give my resources to you to fulfill your mission. If that's your heart's cry, would you just stand to your feet right where you are? Just stand to your feet right where you are and say, here I am, Lord, you're worth it. I give myself, I'm all in to fulfill your mission. You talk to God right where you are as I pray over us. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this wonderful response to your word right now. 
I thank you, Lord, that so many are standing and saying, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord God. I'm committing myself to be all in for your mission, Lord God. All in with my life to do your work. Whether you're calling me to, to ministry or you're calling me to missions, you're calling all of us to be witnesses, Lord, and we say, here I am, Lord, I'm all in. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. You're calling us to get involved in, in, in working together in the mission of the church. Here I am, Lord. I'm going to be a part of the evangelism team. Here I am, Lord. I'm going to be a part of the media team. Here I am, Lord. I'm going to be a part of the children's ministry. Here I am, Lord. I give myself. He's calling us all to pray and to give to support our missionaries. And today, Lord, we say, here I am, God. I will support world missions to make sure that your gospel is preached in all the world so that those who do not know you will have the opportunity to be saved because your heart is for the lost. Your heart is that none would perish. So we pray that you would give us your heart, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to be seated for just a moment. And I'm going to ask you to take out that pledge form that you received when you came in. If you didn't get one, would you raise your hand? And if our ushers would be so kind as to uh, bring any. Yeah, there's some hands down here, ushers, and over here. The ushers will be to you just a moment if you'll keep your hand up raised. If you're watching online, you can also go to our website, nl-nfl.org. And on our uh, main page, there is a button that says Missions Faith Promise. You can click that button and you'll be able to make an online faith promise as well. But if you still need a card, just lift your hand and the ushers will get to you in just a moment. I'm gonna ask you just to spend a moment to prayerfully ask the Lord, God, what is it that you want me to give? Not what I can afford, because remember, this is not a pledge. A pledge says, I'm looking at my budget, this is what I can afford. A faith promise says, I'm looking at God. God, what is it that you want me to give? Because I know if you speak it to me, you'll provide it. And as you provide it, I'll give it. So listen from the Lord right now. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you right now. And we ask that the voice of your spirit would speak to us. Let us know what you are calling us to give. To help your gospel be spread around the world speak it into our heart right now and by faith even even if it seems ridiculous to us in the natural by faith we will give it as you supply it father i pray that you would just bless these faith commitments that we make today i pray that you would astound your people by doing incredible things lord god as you supply for them to be able to support missions Father, bless your people as they go all in in your mission of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you that as you complete your faith promise card, as the worship team sings, if you would just come and just put it up here on the altar and, and you can go back to your seat. As Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry, you can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.